Welcome back, everybody. We have come to Encounter with God. Hope you enjoyed the interview today. And we are coming to you from Ethiopia, where adventures are happening every day. Last night, let me think what happened. Uh, Lawson got mobbed, apparently. Lawson got mobbed by young ladies. Young women, yeah. Um, at my side, of course, who are preaching on the subject of the mark of the beast, which the devil hates. And so what happened? Well, at first, the electricity went out. And then we started the generator. We kept going with the generator. And then the amplifier gave out. And then we were preaching without the uh, amplifier or the generator. And then it rained. And then we had a, and before that, we had a dust storm. And the devil just likes to attack whenever that subject is presented. One of the most important subjects. And we're like, you know what? We are not going to let the devil win. We are just going to keep preaching. And we just did. Always adventures happening here in uh, Ethiopia. Dude, lit. That's heaps better than what happened at my site. You're a gun. I just, I just get mobbed by women and play music. Like I'm just, I'm just chilling. <laughs> yes, this is why, this is why Lawson came to Ethiopia. You thought he was coming here, you know, sacrifice and all that kind of stuff. No. Actually, I have a question for you guys. Last night at our site, we preached about the state of the dead. Um, and before we started, we oh, realized same. we realized we didn't actually know what Ethiopians do with their dead. So we've seen. Uh, well, Vani, my um, preaching buddy, has seen a cemetery, but yeah. we're not sure about the process. Because in Kenya, uh, where I was staying, overlooked a cemetery. And so roundabout our, our hotel, there's lots of little coffin shops. And so it was pretty obvious as to what they did. Put them in a coffin, stick them in the ground. I've seen a coffin shop. Oh, so I've seen a coffin shop and I've seen the cemetery. And they it's really cool because they have cages around all the graves so that no one can steal the stuff in them. Oh, and I'm, okay. I'm like, that's that's awesome. Okay, so. cool. Because we weren't sure if we said the word coffin in Ethiopia, then people would know what that is. You do have to be careful because sometimes they have very different um, burial rituals or yeah. not even burial. but and, and so, of course, the Orthodox Church predominates here. Um, and Orthodox Church, they don't cremate. They, uh, they bury bodies. And we saw a number of funerals when we were up north in Axum. Uh, we were there for like two days and saw three funerals. It was quite, quite bizarre. But, um, yeah, they bury in, uh, in the ground in coffins. Um, traditionally, before that, if you go back to pre-Christian times, they would dig long vertical shafts. And we saw quite a few of these in some of the archaeological sites. And people would be buried in the bottom of the shaft that was you know, carved out of the rock. And then, of course, the tomb would be have a big slab of stone that goes over the top of it. And it might be 20 or 30 feet deep. And they would just keep adding bodies one on top of the other. Wow. And the whole family would get buried in the same shaft together. Wow. So, yeah, it was a very interesting, a different kind of uh, burial ritual than what Why I've seen. Why doesn't the Orthodox other. Church believe in cremation? Like, what's the issue there? I think it's got something to do with the resurrection. I think that uh, there are those who feel that when a body is cremated, that that makes the resurrection impossible, which, which really... Um, to be honest, hey, I, I honor anybody's uh, burial uh, rituals, whatever they might be, um, and I can respect that. And, you know, we need to, when, when, when a person dies, of course, you know, the family's looking for closure and for comfort, and um, we need to respect the decision that they make. But for me personally, whether you turn to dust the fast way by cremation or the slow way by, you know, just rotting in a coffin, uh, the end result is exactly the same. And if God finds it impossible to resurrect somebody because he can't find enough DNA material somewhere to be able to bring them back to life, then God is pretty limited in my view. I wonder what the decaying rate is because my, uh, let me see, my granddad died when I was 11 and I'm now 35. Do you reckon like even the coffin started to break down yet? 
Well, it depends what it's made out of. Um, they do make some coffins that are made out of, you know, it, in, in the past they would make coffins lined with lead and airtight. And so, you know, particularly in the States and, uh, and places like that, you can actually exhume, you know, bodies of, um, you know, people from the Civil War. And if wow. they're buried in a lead coffin that is actually airtight, they will be somewhat um, mummified. Wow. Yeah. I didn't there you realize. Go. Lyle. Yes. If I die before you, can you get me cremated and then scatter my ashes in Axum? I will mention this to your family and your family will make that decision and I will honour the decision of your family. No, because I don't know. They just don't like cremation there and then I'll just rock up. You're going to go and them. Yeah. Like, boom, here's my ashes. Here's my ashes. Oh, you'll you'll see this. Just watch this space until the second coming, all right? I kind of like those people who get themselves cremated and then have, like, their family members sprinkle their dust all over the planet just to see where God's going to pop them up. (laughs) 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 Let's make this as hard as possible. They know God's got the capabilities, and it's not going to be hard for him. But they, you know, just, I've never heard of this before. That, that's like, but I that's, could see, I could see you doing this, Mon, leaving this in your I, will. Yeah, absolutely. It's like spread me around. That's it. I don't know what I want because I would actually here, teaspoon. I would there. like to be buried in a twenty foot deep, you know, hole with a big stone slab on top of it. Because then, when like the resurrection happens, I'll wake up and then just fly yeah, this through is, this. This is thing. so lost. How cool would that be? Stone. But then, like, at the same time, yeah, imagine just be, like, buried all over the place, like, sprinkled all over the place, and then just, like, kind of come together and then fly out. Like, I don't know. Maybe it would be pretty cool if you were buried on top of, like, Mount Everest, and then when you when the second coming happens, you'd be the closest to God and you yeah. get to meet You might Jesus be actually first. flying down. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> be raised down, incorruptible. <laughs> No, uh, I, give I, us a I, text I, message and tell us how you would like to be um, cremated or buried or what your plan is. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. I'd like to hear what different ideas. Yeah, let's, let's, let's hear, hear what our, our, our listeners have to say on this subject. I've always wanted to be buried at sea. I like the idea of being buried at sea. Um, I'd be quite happy for my ashes to be sprinkled at sea. I love the ocean. Sleeping with the fishes. It's a, it, absolutely. It's a beautiful environment. Um, you can be recycled there. and uh, You'll be um, turned into fish food. Yeah, absolutely. I'm quite, quite down with that. And then, of course, um, I will be able to accomplish what you were trying to accomplish, Mon, because, you know, the ocean currents and so forth. You just like, where do you end up? True story. Yeah. You'll probably end up polluting some beach, to be honest. (laughs) 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 Making some poor penguin real angry. Only greeny Mon would say such a thing. (laughs) Only greeny Mon would. How does your brain even work? We are super off topic, boys. Let's head back to Revelation. We're kind of not off topic. Oh, really? No, we're kind of not off topic. Revelation Um, talks about polluting penguins. No, but the Bible, this is the time of the judgment. We are talking about the time of the judgment and what happens to the dead and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Because we have been talking in verse 13 about how uh, when a person dies, they sleep in the grave and they wait until the resurrection. That's what the Bible teaches. And it's part of the three angels' messages. But now in verse 14, the subject changes. We move from a special people with a special message and now we're going to deal with a special time and we're dealing with the time of the judgment. So, Mon, why don't you read for us verse 14, please? Revelation 14, verse 14 says, And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp 
sickle. Okay, so if he's holding a sickle, what does that indicate? What kind of activity is uh, Jesus... We're saying this is Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, What kind of activity is Jesus going to involve himself in? Harvesting. He reaping. Okay. (laughs) He's reaping. He is reaping. Okay. Harvesting. What might he be harvesting? The wheat. harvest. Okay, so so Mon says wheat. Um, Lawson is just. I just like get rid of Lawson. Just, can we just throw Lawson off the balcony? Yes, <laughs> Okay, if I don't come home from Ethiopia, you know who did it. <laughs> he announces on air. Um, but no, seriously, if we look at this, uh, Mon is Mon is talking about um, wheat. Let's keep reading and let's find out. Not what the tears. No, actually, I get harvested together and then they get separated. <laughs> All right, verse 15, please. Um, Mon, you've got that one there. And another angel came out of the temple, carrying with a loud voice, sorry, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Okay, so the harvest of the earth is ripe. Where does this angel come from? What does the Bible say? The temple it comes from the temple. Okay, so notice here that um, there's an angel coming out of the temple, and um, but Jesus is not in the temple. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So he's left the temple. He's left, he's the, left temple. the temple. He's on a white cloud. Okay, so this what we're dealing with here is not the investigative part of the judgment. Because mm-hmm. that takes place in the temple. Yes. This is the execution of the judgment that is taking place. And there are two judgments here. When he harvests the earth, because the earth is ripe, is he harvesting the righteous or the wicked? The righteous. And how do you know that? Because it's saying that it's ripe. Okay. All right. But how do you know that the wicked are not ripe for destruction? Ooh. Um, yeah. Mm. Mm. Uh-huh. Well, I think good question. Oh, okay, okay, the okay, okay. If you keep reading. Okay, yeah. Let's let's keep reading. Verse sixteen. All right. So the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the whole earth was harvested. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so we've got the whole earth being harvested. Mm-hmm. Is that the righteous or is that the wicked? Um, the righteous? Okay, so all Lawson's... Of them, both, all, every, all of them, yeah. So Mon says all of them. Um, Lawson is um, <laughs> putting a foot in I both camps. I am confused. <laughs> okay, so, so then to find out the answer to this question, we simply keep reading again. Okay. Uh, Lawson... Why don't you read for us verse 17? Right, the Bible says, After that, another angel came from the temple in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Okay, so if he has a sharp sickle, what do we expect that he will do? Harvest. Harvest. But the harvest has already taken place. So how do you harvest when the harvest has already taken place? Um... Um, they must, they must um, so is this the part where like they've done the harvesting but now they have to separate the good stuff from the bad stuff like the wheat from the chaff no this this is actually gives you a different picture of the harvest uh, than what you'll find in Matthew uh, I think it's chapter 13 where it talks about the wheat and the tares where they are both harvested together this harvest actually separates the two harvests because it's giving you a different view and this is what the Bible does the Bible will repeat itself uh, tell the same story from many different angles using different symbols so that we can get a different picture of what it is that is actually taking place. 
Okay, so uh, where do we read verse 17, verse 18? Yes. yes. The Bible says in verse 18, Then another angel who had the power to destroy with fire came from the altar. He shouted to the angel with the sharp sickle, Swing your sickle now to gather the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are ripe for judgment. All right, so what is it that is being harvested grapes. here? Grapes. Grapes are being harvested. Okay, so as the grapes are being harvested... Ah, which direction do you think this might be going? Righteous or wicked? I think it's righteous. Okay, so the Lawson's going be righteous. Wicked because maybe the grapes are going to be stomped on and made into the wine of wrath. What? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> well, oh no, because Jesus says that he's the vine, right? Jesus, is like mm. I'm the vine, and they're they're harvesting oh. from the vine. Yeah, all right. So but what happens the to the, the uh, what happens to the branches of the vine that are not? Uh, connected to yeah, the vine stock, but they're harvesting the grapes, not the branches. Lyle, read okay. So there's the a really, there's a really easy, there's a really easy way of defining this. You just simply keep reading. Okay. And uh, Mon, why don't you read for us uh, verse nineteen? And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Didn't ah, I just say keep that? Keep reading. Keep reading. Verse twenty. The graves were. And trampled. the winepress was trodden without the city and. And blood came out from the winepress, even unto the horse bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Okay, so you've got two harvests here. Uh, the first harvest is a harvest that Jesus makes. And that harvest, of course, is the harvest of the righteous. And the second harvest is uh, the harvest here of the grapes. And they are trodden in the wine press. That is where they are squeezed. And the Bible says that blood comes out of the wine press. There's some pretty full-on um, imagery that we are given here in the book of Revelation. It's pretty hectic, actually. Yeah. And, and how, much, um, how, much, um, how much blood is coming out of this? Lots of blood. Okay, so this is graphic. This is like severely graphic. Why do you think that God is being graphic here? Uh, to to sort of, you know, give us a, the true idea of like which side should we be on, you know? To, to say like, okay, so like, like he's not he's not like, you know, just, just easing into it like, oh yeah, it's going to be pretty bad. Like he's just saying, hey, if you're in, you're in, like you're out, you're out. Make a decision. It's think, up to you. Do you think clear is, about is, the is, fine print? Is, is, is God is God using scare tactics here? No, I think when people sign up for stuff, they have to know you know the full truth about what their options are. Okay, so why is God so brutal then? Why does he why why is he depicted here as just treading is, down the righteous? Because the truth, the is unrighteous. Brutal. Sorry, because the truth is brutal. Because that's genuinely what's going to happen. So, but why does God kill people just because they don't want to be his friend? No, they kill themselves. To be honest, they've chosen going, they've yeah. chosen that result. Uh-huh. So it's it's on them. All right, all right. So we, but we say that the the wages of sin is death, mm. and you're saying that that they kill themselves. But uh, the Bible says that you know God treads them in His wine press of wrath. No, they don't kill themselves. They don't put a gun to their head. It's not like a suicide. But then again, it kind of is because they were given the two options: one to follow God, and one to follow their own desires. And they've chosen to do their own thing, and that's the end result. So why couldn't God just let them live? I mean, aren't they happy just being sinners? Just happy little they, sinners? They, they, well, <laughs> but they will not be happy in heaven. Their, their choice is to be excluded from heaven. So why not just leave uh, leave this earth as it is? And, and, and I mean, it's only one speck of dust in the universe. I'm, Do you I'm really want to have just pain and sin and suffering continue on for infinity? Like, is this earth really that good? You know, that's the thing. No. Like, we live in Australia. 
We live uh, in literally. We are really seriously insulated from like the vast majority of the population of the above world. Above the one. I wish I could bring every Australian here to Ethiopia. Oh man, yeah. it was. You it, would get such a different perspective on life and how the average person in our world actually lives. Yeah, that's true. When when I like got here, I had the biggest culture shock. Like, like I, I was just looking out the window of the car, and I just couldn't understand what was going on. Like, like a hundred percent. Like, I was just like, where? Like, because there's so many people on the street. Mm. I'm like, where are these people going? And I'm like, but the streets are so dirty. And I'm just like, what? What are these people doing? And I'm just like thinking, like, how could anyone live this way? You know, obviously mm-hmm. now that I've been here, you know, we see I'm, homeless I'm people in Australia, and we think, you know, that's pretty terrible. And we see people, you know, living under a piece of tin, or they might, uh, you know, live in a doorway or something like that. And it's kind of almost just one small step below the average way that people live here. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Like, Four small mud walls and a piece of tin over the top. That's like, the average house here. Like I, I've kind of come to to understand. Okay, this is how they live their life, and this is why they can, how they can do what they do. You know, but. I'm, I'm still just like, yeah. You just don't. You just don't yeah. get it. Like, so the world isn't that great in that regard. But I think coming back to the question, I mean, if you if God left them like that and just let them continue, you couldn't really say then that God was a god of justice at all. Okay, explain. Well, for people, especially for people who've been like victims of the sin that other people have committed, mm. you know, and justice is a, a, um, a part of love, and love is. The two, the two cannot be separate. You need love to, you need justice to have love, right? So if God was to just let them get away with stuff, how is that justice? I wouldn't feel particularly loved if someone was just letting stuff happen to me when they could be doing something about it. No, okay. I think that's a, there's a very valid point. You know, sin is a disease. The only way that you can get rid of it is to is to kill the disease. Hmm. And God gives us, and He offers us an, uh, a way out. And he offers us a vaccination from that disease, and that vaccination is uh, the blood of Jesus Christ. We can be immunized uh, from the disease of sin. And if we don't choose that, then that sin is going to kill us. Simple as that. Mm. It is a. It, it is just a completely deadly thing. Like okay, it also it also really comes down to this. It's like okay, do you want to live a life where you never die, or do you want to live a life where you die? Like yeah, it, I don't want to ever die. Yeah, I want to live forever. It, it's like it's like so it's so black and white, plain as day. Like people get into that argument of like, oh, why doesn't God like like you know down that train of thought of why doesn't God just let you know the people do what they want? It's like. They've become so accustomed to sin and pain and death that they un- they don't understand what life is really like. Mm-hmm. They don't understand what r- life is really supposed to be about. And that is, you know, eternal love with our creator where there is no sin, pain, death, or suffering. Like, if you think that staying on this earth will be better than being in heaven, well, then you have no idea about how much God loves you and how amazing heaven would be, be you know, and how much Jesus gave to get you to be there. Because, like, there is nothing, nothing that should stop you from wanting to go to heaven. If you really looked at the choices like ultimately the only thing that's going to stop you going from heaven is just you. You, yourself yeah absolutely because it's just so much better of an option and that's why god is like literally it's better for me to like kill you than to let you keep going in sin and have pain and suffering and dying like it's better for it's, you uh, there's an interesting concept Lawson I'm just sort of thinking that through like okay if we take that um, <laughs> we could, hey we you know take, take, take it or leave it but this is this is this is kind of where I'm at it's like you know because uh, for example we come to the flood 
We come to the flood, which, you know... Just, just, just let me note here that, that we are um, not promoting capital punishment no, and no, no, we no, are no, not no. promoting um, <laughs> going out and killing people because they are sinners. No, no, of, of course not. But what I am going to say is that, yeah, ultimately, God has our best interest at heart. God right. knows what's the best for us. Absolutely. And ultimately, sin has gotten to such a bad place that it would probably be better if we died. Like if That's we just exactly to keep right. Going. And when you have an animal that is suffering and you cannot do anything about it, then you put that animal down. And that's exactly what uh, God is doing in the judgment is he is removing pain from the universe. And that's going to be ultimately a good thing. We'll be back right after this song. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Are you believing? Are you following him? Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Are you receiving his spirit within Do you know Him? 
Welcome back guys, we are right here in Ethiopia bringing you the Encounter with God section where we are studying the judgment of God with some very graphic language that we have right here, uh, the, the great winepress of the wrath of God being trodden. Let's turn our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 63 where we find some, uh, once again a, a, a piece of dramatic poetry uh, that the Bible uses. Um, Mon, why don't you read for us? Uh, verse six, chapter sixty-three, verse one, two, and three, please. There's a, uh, a passage that parallels what it's talking about in Revelation chapter fourteen, and uh, some of the most, uh, yeah, definitely some of the most dramatic um, poetry that you'll find anywhere in the Bible. I just want to say we were just discussing um, before the song there uh, some pretty hard stuff about God destroying, um, you know, sin. If you have an opinion about this, or if you have something you want to say, give us a call one eight hundred Faith FM. Let us know what you're thinking about that. Because it is a, it can be a pretty heavy topic to wrap your mind around. And I'll tell you why you're wrong. Lawson, Lawson, joking. And we will take Lawson outside and smack him. One. Actually, okay. actually, just quickly, I just I pulled that one last night. I spoke about the state of the dead, and I was like, look. If you think I'm wrong, come and show me from the Bible. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I pulled that one preaching on the Sabbath and I'm like, okay, um, if you can show me where I'm wrong on this and you can show me that we should be worshipping on uh, Sunday, bring a Bible verse. If you can find a Bible verse that says we should worship on Sunday, I'll give you $100,000 and my, I'll throw my laptop in as well. <laughs> mm, wish I could get that. Okay, so Isaiah, Isaiah 63 verse 1, 2 and 3 you said? Yes. Who is this that comes from Edom with dyed garments from... Bozra, this that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. How how is this person described? What are their what is their clothing described as? Dyed garments. Mm-hmm. My, mine says glorious. stained with red. Stained with red. Yeah. Mine's, okay. Mine's coming up with the red. Color. Where where did this red come from? Verse two, please, Mon. Uh, wherefore are thou art thou red in thine apparel and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine fat? Okay. So where did the red come from? What's in he been the wine. doing? Because he's been stomping yes, on grapes. He's been stomping on grapes. Hey. All right, verse 3. I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me, and I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. Okay, so there's some pretty dramatic language we've got right yes, here. This is, this is Jesus treading the winepress of the wrath of God. Okay, so um, there's, there's something interesting here. The Bible says that Jesus has done something before he does something in verse 3. What? What has he done? Uh, he's trodden the wine press alone. Alone, mm-hmm. yes. And then what does he do? Um, he and gets stained. He gets stained, and, and then, then, of course, he tramples the, the wicked. Oh, yeah, okay. So yeah. here's the important point. Before the wicked experience the wrath of God, Jesus has experienced the wrath of God. Oh, yeah. And, and, and Jesus died alone. There was no one to help him, uh, the Bible says. And, um, and and that's what's being depicted right here. Um, it goes on in verse 4. It says, For the day of vengeance, vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my uh, redeemed is come. And verse 5, there's a critical, a critical part there in verse 5. Lawson, have you got that one for us? Yes, it says, I was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So I myself stepped in to save them with my strong arm, and my wrath sustained me. 
Okay, the, your, your translation is quite different from there, uh, from, from mine. I looked and there was none to help me, mine says. Mm. And so there's a number of different uh, uh, ways that you, was a couple of different ways that you can look at this because when Jesus died on Calvary, how many people were there to help him? No one. How many people, what, what, what did the disciples do? They, they bounced. They, they bolted. In fact, one of them ran so fast that uh, someone grabbed him and he uh, left his clothes behind and, and, and kept running. He did a Joseph. He did indeed. Uh, and, and this is what's taking place right here. And so you've got Jesus here. And, and really the message that is coming through is Jesus has trodden the wine press. Mm. He knows what it's like to die the second death. Mm. The death that the wicked die. He has experienced that. And because he has experienced that, he is pleading with us and he's saying, look, this is what this is what's going to come to you. You are going to receive the second death. Uh, the winepress of the wrath of God will be trodden and the wicked will die. They will die eternally. I've been there. I've done that. I've experienced it. And because I have experienced the second death, I don't want you to experience the second death. And Jesus, of course, in experiencing the second death, has done that in our behalf so that we don't have to. And this is the whole message that is coming through here. Jesus says, I've done it, you don't want to do it, and so here is the solution. Mm. If we go over to Habakkuk, we have uh, um, the, same, the same kind of very uh, graphic language, the same kind of amazing poetry uh, coming through again over here in Habakkuk uh, chapter 3. This last chapter is just, it, it, it's just amazing. Um, uh, Mon, why don't you read for us, um, starting in verse 3, uh, yeah, through 6. God came from Timon and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. And his brightness was as the light, and he had horns coming out of his hand, and there was the hiding of his power. Before him went the pestilence, and burning coals went forth at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder the nations, and the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills did bow. His ways are everlasting. Okay, this is a piece of music, piece of uh, um, poetry that should be put to music right here. This is dramatic language. Very much so. Um, Lawson, why don't you read for us in your modern translation, verse 4. In verse 4 it says, His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is hidden. Okay. I want you to think about this for a moment. And, and some, some translations talk about light coming through his hands. Hmm. Okay. What what is so significant about rays of light coming from the hands of Jesus when Jesus returns to this earth? Because this is clearly the return of Jesus. You know, in verse in verse six, he stood and measured the earth. Hmm. Um, does Jesus not know how big our planet is? No, of course he does. He he does. What is he measuring? He is measuring the people on the earth. Mm-hmm. This is judgment language. This is the execution of the judgment taking place here. You know, the everlasting mountains were scattered. Um, the perpetual hills bowed low. This is really just a more poetic way of describing, you know, every mountain and island were moved out of their places. This is this is what we have here in Habakkuk. But um, why is there power and rays of light coming out of his hands? What is so significant about the hands of Jesus? Well, of course, they were pierced for okay. us. They were pierced for us. Jesus' hands have holes in them because he was nailed to the cross. Mm. And those scars are where his power is hidden, his power to save us. Wow. 
And so, yeah, I, hey, guys, just go and read the, chapter 3 of Habakkuk. Compare it with Revelation chapter 14. You're going to have an amazing experience studying the Bible right here. Some of the most dramatic language that you'll find anywhere in the Bible, and it points to Jesus, who died on Calvary, who experienced the second death. He's been there, he's tasted it, and he's telling us, don't go there. This is not something you want to experience. I've been there, I've done it for you, and I offer you salvation.
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
Welcome back, guys. You're listening to Faith FM, and we have come to question of the daytime. And Lawson is giggling about something. I'm not quite sure what it is, but uh, something. Has Life is tickled. just funny. Life is this. Life is, this is just it, it hilarious. Is. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, Lawson. Uh, what have you got for us for question of the day today? Okay, question of the day is, and this is one that I really want to hear. Does being a Christian mean you have to be poor? Well, after some of the things that I've seen here in Ethiopia, I would say that there would probably be a lot of people in this country that would be asking a question like this. Mm. And if poverty was something that created a connection, automatically created a connection with God, then this would be a probably more spiritual country than what it already is. Mm. Uh, But having said that, um, does being a Christian mean I should be poor? The answer is no. There are many, a number of very wealthy individuals mentioned in the Bible. Let me just mention a few of them, and then we'll talk about this in more detail, because it certainly does not mean that you should be rich. Mm -hmm. Make that very, very clear. Okay, so in the Bible, you're going to find people like Nicodemus, um, Joseph of Arimathea, uh, Zacchaeus, um, who were all very wealthy people. Of course, in the Old Testament, you have probably the most wealthy person who is mentioned there was Job. Um, It's just absolutely staggering wealth. And then, you know, you look at Abraham. He's got 318 or 320 thereabouts uh, men in his, amongst his servants who are of military fighting age. So, you know, that's a household of at least 2,000 people. That's a rather large business. That's a rather large payroll by anyone's imagination. And so when we talk about these people, we find that, yes, they were fabulously wealthy and God used them. Should we expect that as the norm? You will find the prosperity preachers who jump up on your television screen and ask them, ask you to send them money all the time uh, will be telling you that God wants you to be rich and that if you, if you give them money, then that money is going to grow and it's going to increase and uh, you know, become something uh, you know, much more bigger and uh, you become a wealthy person as a result of it. Well, the reality is that the only person who's really becoming wealthy is the person you're giving the money to. Not saying that there isn't a blessing to receive from somebody who is an honest giver of, uh, you know, to the cause of God. There is definitely a blessing to be received there, just not a financial blessing necessarily. There is always a blessing. God says that he will, be, he will bless. He does not guarantee a financial blessing. In fact, the Bible says, and this is a very famous passage, that it is harder to get into heaven, it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven, than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. You know, I kind of wonder about our prosperity gospel preachers when they say God wants you to be wealthy. Why would God want it to be hard for you to get into heaven? This might be the answer, um, Lawson, as to why you and I are not wealthy people. (laughs) Maybe God is trying to save us. Sometimes I think that uh, it's like, yes, God, I understand the principle here, but, you know, a few more coins here and there wouldn't go astray. We all understand that principle. There is a trap that comes with wealth, and you find it clearly illustrated in the book of James, where wealthy people often become corrupt people. And James, speaking about the end time, says, you know, go now, you rich men, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eating. Your gold and silver is rusted and shall be a witness against you. 
Um, you have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud cries, and the cries of those who reap have entered the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. He goes on a little further and says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. When you see you know, tremendous financial inequality in our world, it is a sign that Jesus is coming back soon. And so, no, God does not want, God does not, you do not have to be poor. Poverty is not a sign of the blessing of God, but neither is wealth. God will always do what is best for us in all circumstances. Anyway, moving on with this morning's show, we're going to be listening to Simple Living by Keith and Kristen Getty with Ricky Skeggs. You're listening to Faith FM.
Welcome back, guys. That was Simple Living by Keith and Kristen Getty with Ricky Skaggs here on Faith FM. We have come to the end of the show, and as we always do at the end of the show, even when we're in Ethiopia, we give something away. And what are we giving away today, Lawson? Okay, so I have this big old hardcover book here called Proverbs of Wisdom and Warning. Ooh, interesting. I thought this was super appropriate to give away because... um, the Proverbs are written by a man by the name of Solomon, mm. and Solomon was one of the wisest men on uh, wisest men on earth. But he was also one of the richest men on earth, uh, one of the richest and most successful kings in the line of kings. And of course, we've been talking about money in the question of the day. You know, what is God calling us to? And this book, Proverbs of Wisdom and Warning, goes through that. It's a daily meditation um, book, something to, to meditate on, something to start your day with with these proverbs and, and a lot of the proverbs are talking about wealth and, and you know how do we deal with that as followers of God. So if you want this book, you can give us a call 1-800-324-843 or you can give us a text on 0491-064-669. You will get this book completely for, for free. Of course, it is yours if you give us a call. First one in. First one in. There you go. And of course, if you would like to know the wisdom of the Bible, we always make this available at the end of the show. We would love to share the Bible with you and if you would like to do my prophetic code course that I have been presenting here in Ethiopia then uh, give us a call on that number, that same number 1-800-324-843 or 1-800-FAITH-FM and we can set you up with that course for free through the Discovery Center. We would love to be able to share it with you. They are certainly enjoying it here in Ethiopia. People are being blessed. Mm. Stay tuned, guys. We're going to be back again tomorrow morning with The Breakfast Show coming from the other side of the world. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. was lost but now I found was blind but now I see was grace that taught my heart to Oh,
the night.